everybody. John Troutman, Truth or Comfort podcast. We have Devin Voss here with Thomas Title, who is a phenomenal young man. Uh, actually, he's 30 now, right? So yeah. not uh, not so young anymore. He's Thanks, John. Yeah, he's uh, getting old. He's got a phenomenal story. I wanted, I actually tricked him today to get him here. I told him that we had all sorts of gifts and stuff for him. So he came here for the gifts. And the gift was uh, being on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, hey, I appreciate you being a sport sport and doing this. I know it's not typically uh, what you do. So thank you for participating today. Um, If you you wouldn't mind, like, I know you run Thomas Title here. which is phenomenal. It's a great company. It's who we do uh, our transactions through whenever we possibly can now. And uh, mainly because of the way that you've cultivated our relationship. Sure. And second of all, how smooth, I would say relationship first, second, how smooth the transactions are. Of course. Right? Um, so anyways, thank you. And I want to point out that you've never asked for my business. I don't know if you know that. No. Never asked for it. That either it you, makes me a good salesperson or a terrible salesperson. It's, uh, <laughs> it's. I think it's, uh, it works. We're giving you all of our business, and we're, we're actually. This is actually a commercial for Thomas Title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, here's the reality, though, right? I mean, I've always believed that you just continue to put positive deposits in people's lives, and things naturally come, right? I would say that you know my top 25 clients to there kind of the same story, right? You just keep investing in their lives. You find other ways to make them successful, and as a byproduct, you know, business comes our way. And that just not, not only there, it happens with, you know, other businesses that I'm, I'm participating in, right? Kind of same philosophy. Right. So we've had a, a many talks over the last couple of years. Um, but how did you, why don't you share how you got started in real estate? What sure. drove you to get started in real estate? Maybe, yeah, if you could. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you actually know the story. Um, well, now you say that I thought I did, but now I'm worried I didn't. But, yeah. yeah, or don't. Or maybe I. But maybe I'm gonna I find out. I haven't. So, so here's the story. You know, I grew up in a pretty affluent family, right? Both my parents were in the motion picture business, right? They had done, you know, movies like The Green Mile, Face Off, very well um, affluent in that space, as well as um, the commercials, right? My mom's done a lot of, you know, Super Bowl commercials of that. But we always, so they made a lot of money, but they'd also spend a lot of money right Mm -hmm. and you know it it, i didn't grow up in the best atmosphere right it it was kind of a tough home and i knew there had to be a better way so what i did was and this is the truth i literally locked myself in the burbank public library for four years just studying bibliographies of successful people not just necessarily about you know affluent folks but you know people that generous people that um where they respect other folks, right? And kind of a common denominator there was, you know, putting positive deposits in people's lives. And the other one was really to not think uh, like the traditional person and in terms of growing your wealth, which is, you know, growing businesses and, um, and especially in real estate. So me working in a factory since I was 14, I... Wait, this affluent family had you working like was it a Nike sweatshop or what was it? <laughs> it really was actually. Uh, my 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 family had owned a f- had owned a factory, and you know they did teach me a great work ethic, right? So you know that way I could put my myself through college, you know, help buy my own car, stuff like that, and 
you know, so I just kept doing things, right? So when I was 14 and I was starting to accumulate money, I was trying to buy stocks. I was trying to buy bonds. You know, I, I did everything. I failed a lot too, but I did it, right? And then I was, I turned, what, 20 years old. You know, we're in the middle of the recession. Everybody thought I was crazy. And, you know, I bought a couple single family homes by myself out here in Phoenix. I had still lived in Los Angeles at the time. And it was scary for me, but hey, I took the shot, right? And we walked away pretty well. And um, at that point, I just kept figuring out what, what are some of the wealthiest people doing? And, and, you know, some of my other family members have accumulated a, a nice net worth. They, they said, hands down, you know, commercial real estate. So then I started commercial know, real estate, commercial real estate. So buying retail centers, um, you know, apartment buildings, stuff like that. So from what I did there was I kind of packaged, you know, the single family side and rolled it into commercial real estate. And I'll be honest with you, my first deal, I mean, I put into escrow. I didn't even know I was going to be able to close. I, I, I literally looked at the building. It was large. I never thought I would acquire something that large. And, and it really wasn't big. It was just a 16 unit building. Right. Right. Um, I cried all the way home. I didn't know. And I didn't. I, I cried all the way home. And, and now I, you laugh all the way to the bank. I did. You know, and, and we were able to, you know, do very well on that deal. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, finding that team, but doing it right. Not being able, you know, I, I think especially in school today, you know, it, it's you get in trouble for trying to make you get in trouble for making mistakes. Right. And I think that's the difference between, you know, doctors, lawyers, people who sit, you know, behind a desk and entrepreneurs is, you know, we we do it. You know, we, we make calculated, you know, strategic decisions, but we do it and we consistently learn. Right. But we also mitigate our risk by building a solid team around us. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you tend to have failures more often than successes right. but it's uh you you do it enough times you know when you're on to something have to and it perseveres and you know when to drop stuff when it's just not clicking right right so w when was the first deal that you did was that the ones out here yeah i think i was 20 years old and it was uh right with the i-17 and the 303 connected um it was about a half million dollar house right before the recession and i picked it up for about a hundred thousand Nice. And I just held held on to it uh, for a couple of years, rented it out. Right. And a couple of years later, sold it for a couple multiple. Yeah. And took it. So, so your first deal was your first big or your first commercial deal was a 16 unit, which is a good size. Right. Uh, so what are you working on now? How many years ago was that, by the way? Just just under three. Okay. Yeah, just under three. So, how have things progressed since since then? Doing commercial. Well, economies of scale, yeah. right? I mean that that's that's the benefit of, of doing it on the on the commercial side. Um, you know, and r right now I'm in a unique position because, you know, I've always had this W two job, right? Whether, whether it be in the factory, whether it be in title, I've been in title now. I mean, since I was a teenager, so we're we're going on 15 years. I want to talk about that for, and then sure. we'll go back into this. Okay, go ahead. Finish that, and I want to talk about sure. title. And it's and it's a byproduct, right? So you take your W two income and you essentially convert it into passive income. So the money that I make at these W two jobs, right, or referrals or whatever they may be, you use that. You, you pay your bills, right, whatever it may be. But then you consistently acquire different assets 
to, you know, essentially you're converting your W-2 income, which gets taxed at 35%, 40%, and you convert it into passive income, which is, you know, essentially tax-free in, in some cases. Right. Smart. Smart, huh, you guys? Okay. So let's talk about how you got started in um, – this is – I tell this story – I haven't told you that I tell this story, but I, I find it so fascinating. I think your grandfather actually told you to do something. Uh, at 5 o'clock, you would go in and see executives working. Oh, yeah. It's actually my dad. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I, I, uh, I miss – it was a while ago. No, you're fine. Okay. You know, it's, it, it's interesting, right? I mean, I, I didn't live in the best environment, right? And I, I no, think affluent filmmaker sounds horrible. I don't even know how you did it. <laughs> it was well, tough, right? Because they, they, they'd come home and obviously take it out on me, which, which wasn't fun for, for many of, of, of my life. But, you know, you could, but here, look, whether it's the listeners, wh- whoever's listening, you can either go a couple ways, right? You could either complain about it. You can either go, you know, the substance route. You could do a, a, a variety of different things, right? And rather than doing that, I was just like, you know what? I want to provide for my family, and I want to, you know, the chain stops here, and we can move forward. Um, so that, that was the approach that I went. Yeah, there's the victim mentality or the opportunist right. that I'm, it doesn't matter what's put in front of me. I'm going to succeed. Absolutely. Yep. And a lot of people, unfortunately, take the woe is yep. me, the victim mentality, yep. which just is a hard one for me to, to be around that type of mentality. Agreed. And I think where you're going with this was, you know, you know, even though my dad especially was, was very tough, he did, he, when I was, what, 15, 16 years old, I did work for a title company in Burbank, California, and he said, son, he goes, these people have, um, you know, they have families, they have, you know, to, to go home to. Before you leave, right, to go home, you go to each vice president in that company, and you just say, is there anything I can do to get you home to your family, you know, quicker? And every day I did that. And it became a joke, right? They'd just laugh and be like, no, Dev, I'm fine, like after weeks and months of this, right? But it was, you know, that mentality of, you know, putting positive deposits, you know, into people's lives, right? And being able to learn, right? And, and, you know, while a lot of people in my department would, you know, go home or leave five minutes early, I'm like, I wanted to learn, right? Right. And a lot of those vice presidents, they helped mentor me. And I swear to God, I, I kept getting you know, promoted every six months, right? At the age of, I mean, when I turned 18 years old, I had opened up two branches, one in the Philippines and one in in India, right? (laughs) I mean, so you just keep doing that, but, you know, go there to learn, right? And, you know, I was always told, you know, learn as much in your 20s and make as much as in your 30s, right? right? And never stop learning. And I knew at a young age, I wanted to be challenged. I wanted to, um, to be mentored by these, by these folks. And, their, and learn their habits. I love it. Like, I just want to recap that for people that are watching this. Like, this is such a, a key piece. Like, instead of, like, looking at your job and jamming out of there as quick as possible, like five minutes earlier, you know, watching the clock the last 30 minutes, whatever it is, taking ownership of it and going up to the people, not in a kiss-ass way, but how can I succeed at this and probably having, not probably, having the right attitude, mentality around it, like, what can I get you? I mean, I, that's one of the most powerful things I've heard. Like, wh- where's this advice in school? Like, what do I have to do, Mr. or Mrs. Executive VP or whatever, right. to get you home to your family sooner? What can I help you do to, to, to accomplish that? I mean, I don't know. Don't you guys, like, don't you guys think that's pretty cool? 
I mean, I, I just look at it and go, yeah, that's a hundred percent on point. Like that's, that's the way, like, that's the stuff that we're not teaching any anymore, or I've never was taught that. So having good mentor mentors that you could get those pearls from, um, we, I think everybody has those right people that have made impacts in your life to where you are, you're like, okay, I'm going to take that pearl, this pearl, this one pretty soon you have a necklace, you know? So where's your pearl necklace? Anyways, it's, it's one of those things, you guys, it's huge. Like out of this, I mean, I don't know. It just hit me when you said it the first time to me. I was like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's just being a sponge, right? And I consistently do that, right? I mean, that's part of the reason why I came here today, right? Obviously, you're successful, and I'm always looking to, to grow. You know, you know, maybe you'll say five things. If I could pick up one, and I could actually apply that to my life, you know, let's do it, right? I'm Like, for example, even after here, right? I mean, in every area in my life, I'm trying to grow, right? I'm trying to be the best Christian I can, the best future husband, the best friend, whatever it may be. I mean, I'm, after this, I'm, I'm go and have lunch with my pastor because I want him to consistently hold me accountable for being at church, for, you know, being a better man, right? So uh, I think anytime you could be a sponge and be better, but you also need accountability, right? And I do believe I, you need those people in your life to hold you accountable in each area. Absolutely. Um, yeah, key piece in making sure you're accountable to yourself, to the people around you. What about, uh, let's go back to some projects. What are you working on now? So three years ago, you did your first commercial deal. And we're getting into, for us, we've been doing commercial for about seven years, six years, seven years. And it's crazy how fast it could take off and some of the stuff that you end up doing. You've, You've gone gangbusters in three years. That being said, we're educating and teaching people now the commercial aspect in real estate investing and nobody's really doing it. They might do multifamily, but we're doing, you know, office and, um, industrial and warehouse retail, whatever it is. Right. Along with multifamily, it just seems like multifamily has been a little crowded for the last two years, maybe plus, but I know there's still opportunity there, but we're just seeing higher returns in other, other areas like this office complex, for example. So, but what are you, my point being is, one, we're now teaching it, that, and we haven't before because we do it all day long, so we might as well teach it, right? The second thing is is it's scalable pretty quick. Like, could you talk about that? Like, literally, sure. three years ago, you did your first deal, didn't know how you were going to close it, which is pretty typical. I mean, I think I do that all the time. So, and, and they happen, you, <laughs> most of the time they go down. So, uh, if you could just kind of bring us up to speed, like, how how that's escalated yeah well I'm, I'm being tested right now i really am i'm being tested right um being tested with patience you know i you know for lack for a better term we hit a home run w- with that apartment building um and you know i have you know my capital sitting on the sideline as well as other investors who you know want to partake in it but you make your money when you buy right you make your money when you buy and you sustain it with great property management management i've always said that um, it's a little inflated out there. It's a little crowded, right? Um, being part of a title company, I love that I am there because I get to see the, the off-market deals. I get to see the transactions, and, and it's definitely crowded, especially, f- you know, folks from Chicago um, and California, right? There's a lot of money coming here, especially Denver. Um, so I, I'm, I'm patient. 
I, I have to be patient, but I do have a good broker that's mm -hmm. part of my team, and we're hitting off-market deals. We're knocking on doors of you know owners just saying, you know, hey, we can either close cash, refinance later, um, just trying to find those good opportunities. But I'm very weary to overpay for something right. as, as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely being challenged with patience, and that's not one of my core values, unfortunately, uh, but also fortunately. I have a high sense of urgency, but um, we're just trying to find some off-market deals right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, – I think uh, most good investors – have that sense of urgency, but also are conservative. So you yeah. have to fight those two things. And you know, you know what overpaying and um, taking on an asset that's not really performance based. It's like, you don't need to do it for practice, you need to do it to make money. So some of these, I think a lot of bigger companies are doing them just to accumulate and add to their portfolio because they've liquid, liquidated something they need they need to move on something so it doesn't even necessarily and they're okay with the four or five percent cash on cash return which is crazy to me but uh they're okay with it and then you know with the new you know tax law you know with bonus depreciation you're able to write off 20 to 30 percent of your purchase price right so it makes sense for them right right it makes sense for them it's better than having their investors put money in a cd um unfortunately that that kind of yield uh, doesn't excite me nor my investors, right? right. And uh, you just got to continue to to find the yield and and find your strength. And uh, once you build a team and you know source out you know off market deals and, and get creative, right. right? We were talking earlier about you know rather than just walking away from deals, get creative, f find a way to make it happen, right? Right? Whether it be sell, sell or carry back or you know th there's a lot of different ways to be creative to to make it work and to make the numbers work, right? Yeah, so that's another thing. I think a lot of people look at what they they don't look at necessarily repositioning that commercial asset in a different light or use. And I think if you could look at it that visually of what that looks like once you can identify a different use for it right. or even the same use just visually enhanced, you can maximize it whether it's executive suites, things like the co-working space sure. obviously is hot, things like that and flushing out those different types of models in in that. So anyways, lots of uh lots of good stuff going on in commercials especially here in Phoenix, but I think there's a um kind of like a waking up nationwide of people investors that are like, "Hey, I want a different type of yield. I want a different type of, you know, asset in my portfolio, maybe something less crowded space i mean commercials definitely less crowded yeah. and you could get typically terms on some of these too like on a lot of non-performing assets at least that's what we found so yeah lots of lots of opportunities um hey i got a question for you a couple shoot. questions shoot okay i'm gonna put you on the spot let's do it don't be scared all right okay well, first one is is if you if you were to do a value add for the listeners like what like picking out something that what would, advice would you give anybody looking mm -hmm. to get started in real estate or just life in general, entrepreneurship, being their own boss, whatever that might be of encouragement um, or maybe like rules that you live by? Build a team and plus it up, right? You got to build a solid team, right? I have what's you know called a, you know, a personal board of advisors, right? People to hold me accountable. I, I run things by them, whether it be my relationship, um, you know, you're seeing that, you know, obviously I'm leaving here to go, you know, have lunch with my pastor, right? To hold me accountable, but build a team around you, build a team of people that are more successful from you and ask the right questions. The other thing is to plus it up, right? I've kind of 
trademark this little thing called Voss Plus One, right? Always find ways to plus it up, right? Whether it be, you know, with your residence or uh, how you communicate, always try to do plus one, right? I even do it with waking up early, right? I always try to, you know, be up one, or, one hour earlier than everybody, right? Um, but always try to plus it up. I'll give you an example. For the 16-unit building down in Chandler, okay? We tried implementing kind of a hospitality service, right? And in terms of, you know, a value add to, to the listeners, it'd be how you communicate and how you can love and put positive deposits in people's lives. I would sit there every quarter and write handwritten thank you notes to every resident just saying, hey, just wanted to thank you, allow, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to serve you. If we can do anything to make this more special, let us know. On Fridays, on some Fridays, once a month, we would actually have little Chick-fil-A biscuits on their way to work on Fridays, right? So we'd sit there with a little bag and a coffee and give it to them on their way. That's pretty cool. On their way to work. Cost us virtually, I mean, from a marketing expense, very nothing. The other thing is to listen, right? When you're on the phone with an investor or a resident, we trained our property managers to listen. If they had a pain in their life, whether it be a passing of a dog or a family member, whatever it may be, we would show up in 30 minutes with flowers. We'd go to AJ's real quick, show up with flowers and just say, hey, you know, we really appreciate you being here. And I, I, we're, we're very sorry. Our deepest condolences. Always plus it up no matter what. With investors, you know, I, I, you know, and this irritates me a lot. You know, a lot of, you know, syndicators, what they'll do is they overpromise on numbers. Plus, right. plus it up with, you know, the return, right? Know you can get a higher return, right? Right. And... You know, it's this whole raving fan philosophy, right? Always, always go above and beyond, and always try to go the extra mile. And Under it's promise, over deliver. Hundred percent, and it's it's easier said, right? Um, you know, one thing I always do is, you know, if someone shoots me an email or makes me a phone call, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, can I get back to you tomorrow on that? Knowing that I'm going to do it today, right? So they're expecting me to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it within the next hour, right? It's constantly doing that. Same thing with the residents. You know, hey, we'll have someone reach out to you in the next 12 hours. We do it in one, whatever it may be. So it's always, 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 always plussing it up. I like it. I mean, that's a huge nuggets for people that are listening to this podcast right now. Um, super impressive. I, t I tell people that uh, I don't want this to go to your, your head or anything. No. I, you're you're a humble guy, really, so I, I don't mind saying it. But it's uh, it's always a pleasure, and I'm always impressed with you. I mean, for your age and the way that you act and carry yourself and your maturity level, um, all of it, like I'm humbled by it. So it's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, you're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> so started young, working in a factory for his family. <laughs> Is that, you keep looking at my shoes. Did you make these for me? They're they're about you know sixteen years old. No, I'm kidding. yeah, I did. So <laughs> <laughs> it was actually mail. It was I was I was on assembly line for bulk mail. <laughs> Let me see your finger. Look at all those paper cuts, that's, man. You doing all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the second issue. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so you've had uh, some great successes in your your life. Some great mentors uh, between your mentors. And yourself, I'm going to include everybody in this question because you have a lot of people that you I know that you haven't mentioned on this that are very affluent and successful. How many Lamborghinis do you guys all have combined? Us? Yeah. Zero. What are you talking about? And I'll tell you why. 
I I I prom I promise you this, and I tell Renee, my fiance, this all the time. We're so fortunate. We we have one family member that you know they, they're worth a lot of money, right? When we go up to their clubhouse, which is probably the the most prestigious clubhouse in Arizona, they're really not driving those cars, right? right. I mean, I know you know, I know one person. He's an investor with me. He's probably worth one hundred fifty million. He's driving a Lexus that's older than mine. They they just a, a lot of those folks. They're that's not really how they live. Yeah, they have the nice house and everything, but. They really do. They're very modest. Right. I mean, obviously it depends, but then you get, you know, a lot of these folks that ha- here's the difference. It's the difference between a balance sheet and an income statement. The folks with the, the, the high, you know, income statement, they're making a lot. They're also spending a lot. A lot of these guys, I, I, I promise you that what they're doing is they're just hoarding that money and putting it into their, their family trust to right. go to go buy you know, more commercial buildings, more businesses, right? Um, they're not really interested in that. Yeah, I mean, my, my family members have, I mean, I think we have more Teslas than the most people, but I mean, we're also not driving, you know, $500,000 cars. Right. I mean, it's it's huge. So we ask everybody that. And, and I know that there's some marketing companies that we've talked to, and I get that they have to, um, and maybe to validate who they, what they do, sure. right? It, I'm not going to, I'm not, that's not the space that we're in. We're in the real estate space. So when I see real estate people, I I don't actually see real estate people, real, real investors buying that stuff. It's the brokers and the lenders. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Well, and that, that, uh, plate stopped spinning at some point too. Everything good comes to an end as far as that goes. I mean, I was vice president of Washington mutual for six years, made great money, could have did a lot of stuff. And, uh, uh, once that came to an end, that's when I was like, all right, I'm never going to get caught again without controlling my own resources, income, right. all that stuff. But, um, yes, the Lamborghini question does come up all the time. We've had people that are worth uh, hundreds of millions of dollars or, or uh, you know, $100 million or plus that manages maybe up to $300 million. They don't have – they have the um, – Lexus from what 89 or something like that same thing but uh anyway anyways it's one of those things I think once you have that access to it and you can do it it's hard to pull the trigger because you could go and buy another asset that's going to spit out more money yeah and so that's uh I I think just that's the difference but what we try to do and the reason for the question isn't to pick on the people that do it um it's maybe to make the listeners aware of like what are you what are you following that person for if they're supposed to be a real estate investor and you never actually see the real estate investing they do what is it that you're buying into you're buying into a program that they're offering are they i mean how solid is the program if all they're doing is driving around in uh, fancy cars and uh just talking about that not talking about what their projects are how you know how they got the the projects how they're uh, repositioning these things you know time on market what they paid for you know how, educating people be it's, humble yeah be humble you yeah. know it's just it's just as simple as that i mean it's not even our money really it's god's but i mean be humble and be generous with it right you know um you know, I have a couple of nice things, but they were all purchased. You know, my investors bought them for me, right? <laughs> um, you know, as a thank you. But 
yeah, be humble, be smart, and and keep buying assets, right? Uh, and the more assets that you acquire, the lower your tax bracket becomes too. And I, I think that's a the huge paradigm shift for a lot of people too, right? right. Um, that's where all the incentives are is to, is to buy assets. So keep acquiring. Well, also, I, I often say it's like getting off the tarmac. The like it's your first piece of real estate is probably going to be your toughest, right? Not probably it will be, but let's say you get a residual coming in off of it. Maybe enough to m- maybe make a car payment, maybe maybe not close, right. right? If you keep acquiring those and keep acquiring assets, your life gets easier and easier and easier. And the, so does the process gets easier and easier and easier. You'll probably push it up and get yourself out of your comfort zone doing something else, but you have the process down. It's nothing as tough as is actually the mental process is, uh, of taking that initial leap and having courage to do so. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, I mean, look, and here's another thing too, right? If Even if you have the funds, take a shot and invest with somebody else, right? right. You know, whether it be, you know, a, a well-known syndicator, whatever it may be, so that you can understand how they communicate with investors, how they do their property management. Here are the forms that you need. Here's the subscription agreement that you need. Like before, I mean, I recently just did it, right? Because I'm getting on a, on a bigger level. I invested with, you know, very well-known guys, you know, because I want to see how do they deliver, right? right? Smart. Because it's, you know, everything sounds good, right? But how, how do they deliver? Um, you know, what are those documents that, that they use? How are they doing it? Right. Right. Um, in fact, I just yesterday I, I invested into an oil and gas um, drilling company up in uh, North, North Dakota. Same thing. Right. I want to see how they do it. Right. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't chump change, but it was enough. You know, it's going to spit off monthly cash flow. Right. And I'm able to write off what 80 to 90 percent of that investment year one makes sense numbers wise. But, you know, Invest with somebody else that, that may be a mentor or whoever it may be to kind of help mitigate that risk. Right. Right. And I, I think that's I think that's key because I've been I've been able to do it on the single family side and with small commercial properties. Now that, you know, capitals, you know, becoming more available. How are these folks doing it with a couple hundred units? Right. right? So I'm trying to gather all their secrets. Combine them with my secrets, the Voss, you know, Voss one plus one, you know, kind of methodology and kind of create that own unique brand. Right. So that's what that, that's what I would encourage them to do. I love it. You guys, uh, Devin, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. Uh, everybody that's listening to this. I know that you guys are enjoying it or enjoyed it. Um, truth or comfort podcast. I mean, the 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 truth is, is that Hey, it's hard work, but it's worth it. You got to just follow it, get going out there. If you, if you're watching, you haven't got started. Like Devin said, you got to jump in and start doing it. You just got to get whether it's by yourself, excuse me, or investing with someone else or having a mentor show you show you how that process works. You just got to get started in it. You have to. Can I ask you a cool question? Yeah, yeah. Based on what you know. I'm not going to answer. I plead the fifth. You, you, you know, you, you've gotten a, a chance to, to know me pretty well, and we have a good friendship. If you could challenge me or give me one piece of advice that I kind of need to hear, what would it be? Mm. The first thing that comes to my head, which I'm going to just say, is uh, do more uh, speaking. Mm-hmm. I, I know you like to say you're the, <laughs> you, you hide, but uh, you, you have a lot of knowledge, sure. and you're uh, a phenomenal person for people to follow and uh, inspire to 
to be like you. So you need to be out there more. Yes, you need sir. to be in front of people more. Yes, and sir. you need to share that. Cool. Yeah. Well, if there's any way I can help you and your listeners, let me know. Uh, absolutely. Seriously. You just did. And I, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Th thank you. Gotcha. All right. Come give me a hug. <laughs>